A reading from the first book of Kings. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, ask something of me and I will give it to you. Solomon answered, O oh Lord my God, you have made me your servant, king to succeed my father David. But I am a mere youth, not knowing at all how to act. I serve you in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a people so vast that it cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had made this request. So God said to him, because you have asked for this, not for a long life for yourself, nor for riches, nor for the life of your enemies, but for understanding so that you may know what is right. I do as you requested. I give you a heart so wise and understanding that there has never been anyone like you up till now. And after you, there will come no one to equal you. The word of the Lord. than 
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, we know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to, to the image of his Son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The word of the Lord. from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field which a person finds and hides again. And out of joy, 
goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great value, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets, but what is bad they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, yes. And he replied, then every scribe who has instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Weighed down with a full load of iron ore, the infamous ship named the Edmund Fitzgerald departed from Superior, Wisconsin on the afternoon of November 9, 1975. As she was making her way across the mighty Lake Superior, she ran into one of the most severe storms we have ever had. With hurricane force winds and 35-foot-tall waves, by 7 p.m. that evening, she was in trouble and went down just 17 miles short of the safety of Whitefish Bay, a distance she could have traveled in about one hour. Now this vessel lies in 530 feet of water, broken in two sections with one overturned, and serves as the tomb for all 29 of her crew. The cause of his demise has been theorized with many leading theories. Could it have been a bad hatch on the cargo hold? Could it have been an entire structural failure? Or maybe one of those famous rogue waves? You see, when it comes to a shipwreck, we don't analyze the water that has flowed into the ship. What's its chemical makeup? H2O. Fresh or salt water? We really don't care. Did it come from the Canadian or American side? Not helpful. You see, if we wanted to know why that vessel sank, and we were able to ask him, the one man on this planet who would have the answer would be its captain. In like manner, when we look around, there's always that temptation to wonder what is wrong with this world, and to come up with all sorts of clever solutions apart from their true source, namely God. The famous Catholic author G.K. Chesterton was once asked, what's wrong with the world? He simply humbly answered, I am. You see, his point is that 
if we want to be remade and reshaped in this world, we, I, have to take responsibility and give God the permission to make me clear, make me a clear image and likeness of himself. Each one of us are given the highest gift possible from our God, free will, that ability to be able to choose or be the captain of our own destiny. And because each one of us was created from the moment of our conception with a soul that has a beginning but no end, it's really up to us to pilot the vessel of our soul to the safe port of heaven or to shipwreck it along the way. In our first reading, King Solomon, the one that we remember with great wisdom in history, he's asked in a dream by God, ask for anything that you want, almost like the genie in the bottle type thing, and I will give it to you. He could have asked for a long life, he could have asked for power, for, for riches, but instead he simply says, God, I'd like an understanding heart, and I want to be able to distinguish right from wrong. You see, to be a good captain of our soul, we have to be like real captains of ships. They look outward and they look upward for direction. See, a good captain will lay out a map and say, I'm starting here and I want to finish over there. And they make all their decisions according to that map. They look outward towards landmarks and stars and even satellites. They determine where they're currently at and where they want to go. And in like manner, we look to the revealed law of our God to be our moral compass, to be able again to distinguish, not determine, that was Adam and Eve's problem, right from wrong. In the end, we need to put more God into ourself in order to look like God. The solution for that is look no further than the wonderful seven sacraments that we have been given. I often teach the children, I said, you know, the sacraments are kind of like the downspout. You know, if you're collecting all the rain off your roof and funneling it into something, the downspout of collecting God's grace or his divine life into our life. Remember, Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the sacraments also correspond to the seven conditions for human life, both in the physical and social realms. First of all, we have to be born into this world to live. In like manner, our Lord tells Nicodemus, he says, that you have to be born from above into that, into that life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, through that great gift, that gateway sacrament of baptism. Second, our bodies require nourishment, not only to live, but to grow. And therefore, we consume the Holy Eucharist again and again to look more like the one who has loved us into existence, to take his divine life into ours. The third is that we must mature and take responsibility to become mature and productive adults within society. And hence, the church has the great sacrament of confirmation, we say that makes you a soldier and an apostle to build up the kingdom of God. Fourth, none of us like to be wounded. We don't get along well, so we go to our doctor. And when our soul is wounded, we should be going immediately to the doctor of our soul or a priest to be reconciled back to our God and to be healed. 
The fifth is that life can never flourish where there's disease. That's why St. James clearly wrote out, he said, Is anyone among you sick? He should summon the priests of the church, and they should pray over him and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And hence the church administers the anointing of the sick. Sixth, socially we have that responsibility to continue the propagation of our species. Hence we raise up children, we bring them to life, nourish them, educate them, hand on the gift of the faith. And thus a wife and a husband, they come together in that sacrament of holy matrimony. They were given a power from on high to do something very unusual. The two become one flesh. And to answer that call to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, be a mini trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Augustine said, is the lover, the beloved, and the love shared between them. Mirrored again in our families, husband, wife, and God willing, a child. And lastly, our lives are ordered by law and government. Hence, our Lord has provided us with shepherds to lead us to greener pastures or what gives life through those ordained to holy orders. The seven sacraments are the way that God fulfills one of his greatest promises. John 10.10, 10. Jesus said in that good shepherd passage, I came so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The need for change in this world that we observe is real, but it always starts in the very depths of our soul. It's really the only rudder that we control. For Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, in God's eyes, there are perhaps more spiritual corpses walking around the streets today in apparent life than there are physical corpses being carried off to the graves. With that in mind, if God came to us as he did to King Solomon, and he said, ask for anything that you want at this moment, and I will give it to you. Are we prepared to ask to become more like him and receive the divine life into us? For as St. Augustine asked, what do you really possess if you possess not God?